Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. I'm Laura Hooper, and I'm here with my Ask Why team with me, Dr. Gina Pritchard, a nurse practitioner of the Dallas area, Dr. Whit Wilkerson, a dentist in the St. Petersburg area. And today we are asking why I should engage in precision medicine. This is a very interesting topic. I'm so excited to be bringing this podcast to you because it's unlike many that we've done before because we are going to be following Dr. Whit Wilkerson, your journey. You're willing to be so authentic and step forward and allow people on this health journey with you to actually see the steps that you are taking. It's like a peek into if we could have a go cam on you. We're actually seeing here what your doctor, Dr. Gina Pritchard is going to be telling you, right? What steps you're going to take. And I think that's a crucial piece that most of us miss. We get tests on how we talked about, and then we don't know what to do with them. How does that really relate to you as an individual? So thank you for being here and sharing and uh, really helping to impact so many lives today. But tell us where you are in your journey. Um, with this, you got your test results back and you've started to take action steps. Right. Um, thanks, Laura. Well, we did an exhaustive panel, as we spoke about on our last podcast, um, through the Cleveland Heart Lab. And um, I'm talking about 10 or 15 vials of blood and, and just looking at every, every angle of what's going on inside. And interestingly, I've never had symptoms. I've always felt like I was very healthy, even though I've had uh, a lifetime of high cholesterol from a uh, just perhaps a genetic perspective. But when we got the panel back, we were very surprised at how high some of the significant inflammatory markers were, lipid panel was, even deficiencies in some of the vitamin uh, levels in, in uh, my system that you would want to optimize. So uh, under Dr. Gina's uh, guidance and with your help, Laura, we've implemented a very... Uh, specific, and we'll call it precision, uh, precision strategy. And this is based on the testing. So just like we talk about salivary testing to go after oral pathogens specifically, uh, the same is true, through, true throughout the whole body. So I'd like to share with you all what we're doing. Um, and I'll start with lifestyle activity. Um, I'm going to the gym. Uh, about five days a week. Um, I'm doing aerobic exercise for 40 minutes. So I do 30, 15, excuse me, 20 minutes on a stationary bicycle at a high level of resistance. And then 20 minutes on the treadmill, set it a 10 degree incline and um, at a fairly rapid pace. So I work up a really good sweat in that 40 minutes. Um, then I'm also using weight training. So I'm doing legs and arms and uh, chest, uh, et cetera, on about 10 or 15 uh, machines. And so I'll do 25 to 30 reps where that's the max that I can do 
on each one of these machines. So that takes about 15 minutes. So the total is just under an hour. Um, my wife and I go at 5.15 in the morning. So we're there with no uh, competition for stations. And we love that. We're early birds anyway. So that's one thing. Another thing is um, in looking at my sleep and airway, um, I do have a uh, kind of moderate level of sleep apnea, even though I'm six foot four and weigh on average around 200 pounds. So I wouldn't be the classic candidate, but um, my soft palate rests against the back of my throat. Just naturally, it's fairly occluded. So uh, I'm wearing a oral appliance that moves my mandible forward, and I'm actually taping my mouth shut to make sure that I'm breathing through my nose during sleep all night to produce more nitric oxide through the paranasal sinuses, releasing uh, nitric oxide into your uh, respiratory tract through the nose. So we're doing that. I My um, AHI, which is the apnea score, uh, was 29, severe is 30. Uh, with the oral appliance and taping, my score is two and normal is anything below five. So clearly this is a a positional thing in the in the back of the throat that we're able to control that way. So that's good. Um, I'm also taking a nitric oxide supplement. And so every day I'm uh, taking two tablets of nitric oxide that are boosting my nitric oxide levels. I can use a litmus uh, paper that you can test nitric oxide in your mouth. And um, it's at a much higher level than it was before. So we're doing that every day um, as something there. My um, salivary test showed some elevated levels of oral pathogens. So um, after having a really good cleaning, which I don't have any bleeding, uh, really good cleaning. Now what I'm doing is I'm using Perio Restore Trays uh, 15 minutes every day with, with hydrogen peroxide. I'm using Stella Life Rinse in the morning and in the evening. I'm using a water flosser uh, twice a day, and I throw a little hydrogen peroxide in the reserv water reservoir. And then I'm using ProBiora Pro, oral probiotic. I use one tablet in the morning when I'm getting ready to go to work and have it in my mouth in the car. And then I use one tablet at bedtime uh, when I retire. So uh, for the oral health, uh, those are the things that we're doing. So we're using... Um, hydrogen peroxide trays uh, to penetrate down into the sulcus and make sure that we're oxygenating that area very well. Stella Life rinse twice a day, Probiora twice a day, and nitric oxide uh, tablets as well as, um, as well as wearing an oral appliance at night and taping my mouth. Now, as far as working on the inflammatory numbers through... Um, dietary supplementation, uh, we found that my vitamin D3 was deficient. And so I'm taking uh, 10,000 international units uh, or 250 micro uh, milligrams uh, daily. So I take one tablet of D3 uh, once a day. Um, also, we're, uh, and you may want to comment on that, Gina, why that's helpful. So vitamin D is necessary for so many bodily processes. And for one, the artery wall, as we've talked about on numerous podcasts, needs plenty of vitamin D. 
but so do many other cells in our body. It's also a cofactor or a player, if you will, in a lot of these pathways that lead to improved cellular health so that our body is healthier at a cellular level. And that just translates to healthier blood vessels, healthier organs, better um, energy, all of the things. So vitamin D needs to be at least above 60 um, on a regular basis. Uh, A lot of times we'll shoot for 80 because it gives us what I say is some wiggle room. And interestingly enough, vitamin D is low for so many people and everybody seems to wonder why. Even people that are out in the sun a lot, we know that we need sun exposure to convert vitamin D to the active form. But it probably has a lot to do with intestinal health because that is uh, key for us to actually absorb and utilize vitamin D. So anyway, vitamin D supplementation is incredibly common, uh, is needed incredibly commonly, such as your lab work indicated with. Um, And then we'll retest to make sure that it's above 60, uh, like we need it to be the next time. So I think you can also get too much vitamin D. And two things to know about vitamin D, one of its roles is to help mobilize calcium appropriately so that you don't end up with a kidney stone or end up with calcification where you don't want it. Instead, um, you need vitamin D to help calcium, use calcium in a healthy way. And vitamin K2 is important to take with vitamin D in order to make that happen. Um, And then the other thing to know is that you can get too much vitamin D and it can become toxic. It's a little bit hard to do, but at the same time, it is dangerous for people to just take whatever amount of vitamin D3 they want and never test. So it brings us back to the importance of precision medicine and testing. Another thing that we found that was low was B12. And so I'm taking um, one microgram or 1000 microgram tablet of B12 And it's a very small little tablet you put under your tongue and let it dissolve there. And so tell us the benefit of that, Gina. So all of the B vitamins, but particularly B12, is important uh, to manufacture, if you will, and optimize all of our hormones as well as many other um, peptides, naturally occurring peptides in our body to, again, give us the brain function we want, give us the energy that we need help keep our cells healthy. Vitamin B12 is involved in almost every process, metabolic process in the body. It's incredibly important. Unlike vitamin D, B12 is a water-soluble vitamin, so it is difficult to get too much B12. Uh, It's in your body and then rapidly out of your body again, but it can make a huge difference in your health. And some people notice a big difference also in the way that they feel, and we would hope that would be true. Um, but it kind of depends on your genetics as to whether or not you uh, feel energized by the B12 or not. Either way, just know it's important to keep your vitamin B12 above 1500 on your lab work at a minimum. Higher is even better because, again, it's a water soluble. You'll just excrete it in your urine if you're taking too much by mouth. Another thing that we found that we wanted to bump up was um, dietary niacin. And so I'm taking. Um, one 500 milligram tablet of niacin uh, every day. So share with us why that would be helpful. Yes. So niacin sort of falls in and out of favor with the traditional standard of care medical community. Uh, Don't have time to go into why that is on this podcast, but we think, not we think, we know based on evidence, based on studies, that that niacin 
being simply B3. That's what niacin is, is one of the B vitamins. It's B3. And taking niacin at a therapeutic level, not just the low dose that's in like a multi B complex off the shelf, for example, can be incredibly valuable. Again, bringing us back to precision medicine. Perhaps not everyone should just go out and get vitamin B3 or niacin at the level of 500 milligrams like we've recommended for you, Wit, but we know it is the benefits far outweigh any potential downside for you to take vitamin B3. One of those is because of the lipid panel that we've been referring to. Not only does it move all of the cholesterol numbers in the right direction, vitamin B3 can lower total cholesterol, lower the lousy or the LDL, the bad cholesterol, lower triglycerides, and raise the HDL or the good cholesterol. So yay, it can move all of the numbers, the cholesterol numbers in the right direction. The other important reason for vitamin B3 at this dose for you is because you had something called lipoprotein small a, LP little a, and that's a type of lousy or LDL bad cholesterol that is particularly dangerous. You had an incredibly high level of that. I suffer with the same thing. A lot of people do. If you don't test for LP little a, be sure and put that on your list the next time you go to your doctor and say, just add that to my cholesterol panel. All labs can run it and it's important to know. But one of the best treatments for LP little a is one, exercise, which you're doing, and two, niacin or B3 at a therapeutic level. So another thing that we added was omega-3 through fish oil. And so I'm taking two 1600 milligram omega-3s gel capsules uh, in the form of wild Norwegian fish oil. Um, And so uh, we've probably all heard about that, but go ahead and explain why that's so beneficial. Interestingly enough, the omega-3 fatty acids, like the fish oil that you've described, are incredibly important to keep our total number of the three types of omega-3. If you if you are taking omega-3, you want to look on the back of the bottle and see that it has EPA, DPA, and DHA. And or there's also a prescription omega-3 called Vesipa. Perhaps you're on that as well. Anyway, number one, it's important to get a high quality omega-3 supplement that has all three types. And you want to keep the total combined amount of omega-3 in your body above at least 5.5. If if you're doing your blood test, another test you want to ask your doctor for when you go in. It's incredibly important, believe it or not, to again, get your cholesterol numbers where it needs to be. So fat is not bad or dangerous. We're still trying to dispel that myth that you should not eat fat because you have high cholesterol, what you need to eat is good, healthy fats like the omega-3s. Omega-3s are uh, found in a high level in fatty fish like salmon, in, uh, omega, uh, in avocado, in olive oil, for example. All of those things and vitamin D supplementation will help move your cholesterol numbers in the right direction, particularly lower the triglycerides. And um, the other reason that we need plenty of omega-3 fatty acids is, again, for Hormone, our own body's ability to manufacture and balance our hormones and for brain function. You're incredibly sharp, Wit, but we want to keep you that way. So we want that vitamin D level to go higher. I'm sorry, the omega-3 fatty acid level to go higher. 
another one, and I had a conversation actually with Dr. Stephen Masley about what we were doing, and he thought everything was wonderful. He said, one thing I'd add with is um, magnesium. And so I'm taking 500 milligrams of magnesium. And he said, go ahead and take it before bedtime because it'll actually help you sleep better. And so um, I've added that, which is known to support uh, muscle relaxation and nerve and heart and bone health. So 500 milligrams of magnesium citrate I'm taking uh, right before bedtime. Yes. And he's exactly right. One thing I'll say about that is you do want to ask your doctor for magnesium level. Yours was 2.1, which you wanted above two. However, that was just a blood sample serum sample to really get an accurate reading of how the body's level of magnesium is uh, running, so to speak. You want to get it inside the red blood cell, which is a little harder to get. So anyway, ask your doctor if you can for a red blood cell magnesium. Either way, Magnesium is one of those that's, uh, as you said, it's helpful for um, our mood, help us to deal with stressors of life. It's helpful to kind of turn off that busy mind and go to sleep at night and helpful, as you said, for many of the body's metabolic processes. Okay. Another thing that I'm taking, um, and this I found at the health food store, was an excellent probiotic for the gut. So I'm taking 50 billion units of 15 different probiotic strains um, that um, I'm using just to encourage gut health and populate repopulation of healthy uh, bacteria in the GI system, which is so critical. Okay, and then I'm also, and I added this myself, uh, taking um, uh, 500 milligrams of turmeric uh, as a supplement every day, which is known to be great for uh, brain health and kind of cleaning out uh, the the buildup of of um, toxins, if you will, in, in the system, particularly in the brain. And so uh, I've added that um, daily. Um, also, this would be one that would have some discussion that would vary. And that is, we decided to go ahead and take one baby aspirin a day. And some would say yes, and some would say no. I, I, I know about this. So comment, if you would, Gina, on that. So all of medications and supplements and, and every intervention that we recommend, you as an individual, everyone listening, the doctor that's helping you make decisions, we need to look at all of these recommendations from the standpoint of does the benefit, the potential benefit, outweigh the risk? Because certainly aspirin comes with some risk because it can increase your risk of bleeding. It can increase and and aggravate peptic ulcers, for example, and cause some GI bleeding. It isn't to be taken lightly, that's for sure. That's why a great blood test and a great relationship with someone that uh, in the medical field that's going to help you make decisions is so critically important. But um, the reason that we put you on it with, or that we decided for you to go with it, and many patients we do, is because we make that decision of, do we want to even discuss taking an aspirin based on the artery wall health? If there's evidence of plaque, particularly dangerous looking plaque, particularly combined with the inflammatory markers that we've been talking about, then we want to do everything we can to calm that down. Even if you're not on aspirin the rest of your life, right now we want to do everything we can to reduce inflammation at the artery wall level. And aspirin is incredibly important in that, in 
not that it immediately reduces inflammation, but if a dangerous plaque starts to rupture, that's where aspirin comes in because it slows the body's response to building a clot. So when somebody has a heart attack or a stroke, it's a problem in the wall of the artery that leads to a blood clot. That's the simple description. And so when you're on a little bit, a low dose of baby aspirin, it just slows that response. So you have an appropriate blood clot, not one that becomes large and blocks the blood flow completely. So we decided for you that a little bit of aspirin, the 81 milligram, the baby dose, combined with one that's coated so that it doesn't dissolve in the stomach, it's enteric coated, doesn't dissolve until it gets to the small intestine, the benefit outweighs the risk. Although a great reason to continue to monitor your blood work, which we'll continue to do because we would love to get you off it in the future if it makes sense to do so, but it seemed like the benefits were worth it this right now. Okay. So everything that we've talked about so far is over the counter. Um, we're going to add one more thing and this would be a prescription. So we're all familiar with statins and the benefits of statins in arterial inflammation. So we added a five milligram statin uh, to my regimen right now. And so share with us why we've done that, Gina. Yes. So for one, statins, as you know, have been used for many years to lower cholesterol numbers. And that's great. They do that. We need that. But they also have an incredible anti-inflammatory effect in the body and in the arteries, in the arterial wall specifically. So there were a couple of reasons why a statin was a great, uh, a great consideration for you. Again, considering the risk versus the benefit. We want to lower all your cholesterol numbers. We want to try to raise HDL if we can. We want to reduce inflammation, particularly arterial inflammation. And so um, a statin was a great choice. The reason we went with rosuvastatin at a low dose, five milligrams, is because whenever we do recommend a prescription medicine or even a medicine like aspirin or any supplement, we want to try to use the lowest effective dose to get the result we want. High dose statins, a much higher dose than five milligrams, does have their place. For example, if someone's just had a heart attack, just had a heart procedure, there is a time and a place to use a higher dose. But in someone such as yourself, being proactive about your health, wanting to keep from, you know, never have a heart attack or a stroke or a health problem in your future, a tiny dose of a statin medication, sometimes not even taken every day because this class of statins has a long, is in your body for a long time. Teeny tiny dose can get the results that we want. Stay tuned because we're going to follow up with your cholesterol numbers, with your inflammatory numbers, and we'll see if five milligrams like you're on is enough, but it could very well be. This rosuvastatin is available even as a 1.25 milligram in Europe. In the United States, five milligrams is the lowest dose we can get. And we even have some people that take a half or a fourth of the five milligram to get the effect we need. So for our listeners, the discussion with your doctor is, do I need a statin? Do the benefits outweigh the risk? What is the lowest dose you think I could get by with? Because we know these prescription medicines come with potential risk. And another great reason to monitor not only your cholesterol numbers to see if and inflammatory markers to see if it's doing its job, but also the liver enzymes and the kidney function to make sure the statin is not having any unfavorable effects. So we're not going to have time to talk today about 
nutrition and diet, which is um, very important and central to this whole discussion. And perhaps we could do that on our next podcast as well as hopefully we'll have results back um, from what improvements we've seen through this strategic, um, you know, approach that we've taken. But I think the point that we want to make from this particular podcast is that we're in the age now where we can identify specifically what's going on inside of us to the point where we can implement precision medicine. Precision medicine means we're not just arbitrarily taking so many milligrams and thousands of milligrams of this, that, and the other, but we're actually measuring these vitamin levels. We're looking at these inflammatory markers and we're deciding how are we going to attack that and that and that and that and that in a very specific targeted way. And so um, I'm very excited about the changes. You know, when you get a report back that's not good, it's kind of like having a black cloud hanging over your head. Um, I feel fine, but you know that it's not. And so um, being able to proactively engage in a targeted program that should address every single one of these and knowing that the body wants to respond positively, that our immune system wants to uh, help us, that you know, when we're not insulting our systems, that our body is, is wonderfully designed to address health and to create health um, through what we ingest in, in the lifestyles that we choose. So I'm doing everything I know to do, and I'm very excited to see um, to see the outcomes and to share it with you all, because, you know, this is all about learning together and 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 coming up with new solutions together that's why we're asking these questions. We want to ask why until we don't need to ask why anymore because we found the answers. And so that's the journey that we're on together. And I'm excited to be on it. I feel like there's a reason why my numbers were high. And if that can be helpful to others, then you know, let's, let's um, see what we can do together. So thank you, Gina. And thank you, Laura, uh, for your support in my own personal health, but also um, you know, as we engage in this journey of trying to find solutions. So thank you for joining us today. And I hope you will continue on this journey with Dr. Whit Wilkerson as he shares the outcomes um, as he moves through this process. And you can learn right along with us here on Ask Why Medicine Podcast. Today, I leave you with Ask Why you should engage in precision medicine, as you saw from this great example today. And then subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss any episodes. You can follow us on social media. You can find us at Ask Why Medicine on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. And in the meantime, continue to Ask Why.